G'day everyone, my name is Tom Craig and you're listening to my podcast, The Help Side, where we speak to some of the most recognisable names in world hockey and get an insight into who they are, what they're about and what makes them tick. Now if you like what you hear, feel free to follow our socials at The Help Side on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. We'd absolutely love that. This week, I'm chatting to former hockey roo Anna Flanagan. Anna was in her final year of high school when she was first picked in the Australian squad and made her debut soon after as a bright-eyed 18-year-old against Korea the following year. In the years that followed, Anna made a name for herself as a prodigious flicker and an athletic defender who, with a trademark yellow ribbon in her hair, quickly became a fan favourite. By the time she played the last of her 171 games for the Hockey Roos, she was only 24 and had won two Commonwealth Games gold medals, one World Cup silver, had been to an Olympics and in 2012 was awarded the FIH Young Player of the Year. While her on-pitch record speaks for itself, Anna was also a front-runner off the pitch and was peerless in her ability to leverage her image for the benefit of exposing the sport she loves to a wider audience. As the first hockey athlete to be sponsored by global giants Red Bull and Nike, Anna's story is quite unlike anything we've heard so far. In her typically open manner, Anna reveals her journey with the Hockey Roos was far from smooth sailing and takes us through the highs and lows of elite sport and uniquely to Anna, the fame and pressure that can come with it. She speaks candidly about her struggles with mental health and reveals what's next for Anna Flanagan. And once you hear it, I'm sure you'll agree, it's a pretty good fit. Please enjoy part A of the help side of Anna Flanagan. Flanagan takes it on and that's good enough. They found a way past the uh, valiant Mangisa this time. It's Anna Flanagan. Easton brings in, it's Flanagan. It's a goal and Australia take the lead. Anna Flanagan's first goal of the World Cup. Flanagan, low, deflected, goal Australia, 2-1 to the Hockey Roos. Alright, episode 14 I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but sitting here with Anna Flanagan in her, I guess you'd call it a dining room, so <laughs> open, open space <laughs> living area, studio, <laughs> table of two, on her day off from work, Anna, thanks for chatting. No, thanks for coming to chat to me. Day off today. Yeah, um, I haven't done anything sort of like this, especially for hockey, for a really long time. So I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a day off work. <laughs> Just to prepare. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for me, I thought it was a legitimate reason. Like, I'm giving back to the community. Absolutely. So well, fair I treat enough. myself. What are you taking a day off from? Um, I'm working as marketing coordinator at the moment for um, skincare, gut health and hospitality furniture. And we're also now doing a, it's called Heartland Horse Farm. So there's four different things and I'm doing the branding marketing for all of those. And we distribute, we're, yeah, we distribute like nationally into New Zealand. Yeah, so this is one company. This is one company. And Horses, I'm, furniture, yeah, skincare. Yeah, so... It's, it's really it random, but it makes it's so interesting. So I've got a team of five other girls and mm. we make everything look pretty, basically. Right, okay. Yeah. Nice. And how did you fall into that? Um, well, I was really in and out. After hockey, you know, I came to, I came to Sydney um, when I was out of the Aussie program and I got an opportunity to work at Fox Sports. I actually, when I moved to Sydney, I was in a rut. Like, I'd been dropped from the Aussie team. And I didn't know what to do. And my manager at the time was just like, look, I think I can get you a job at Fox Sports. And doing journalism, that was always my dream, mm. um, being a Fox Sports presenter. I think like half of, you know, sports people think that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and so I moved to Sydney. I didn't have a job. I didn't have anywhere to live. Just packed up, had my suitcases. You know, I was 25, no job. Um, you know, at that, I'd moved back in with my parents. I was just like, what's going on in my life? And I got the job the next day. So um, I worked in Fox Sports for two years. Um, I got to do some presenting. Um, did you play the World League finals no, in India? No, I didn't, but oh. I was watching it. So I would have seen more yeah. of you. Yeah. They, <laughs> so I got to like, do some traveling with it, and that was really cool. But the whole landscape of sports journalism is just changing. Mm. Um, I was in the digital team, so we were safe. But mm. it's just so up and down with peep journalists being able to keep their jobs. I was working till midnight, then I was training at five in the morning, 
Like it was just full on. And if I stayed in media industry, the hours don't change because we're a 24 hour news station. Yeah, true. So I went into just like a normal job in construction, random, um, doing communications. I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) The money was good, but I hated it. Um, What year was it? Was this last year? This was last year. And I just was not happy. Um, Got out of that, got into PR. Um, and then, you know, that's again, it's like quite a dog eat dog industry. And so I had some time off and when I again started applying, this just sort of just, you know, when, if you're doing the right things, things kind of just present themselves Mm. when, yeah, I landed in it so randomly. Um, I wasn't even going to go to the interview and the, the CEO actually, he was like, what he saw in me wasn't the job that I went for. So it was something to do social media and he's. He basically was like, I like how you speak. You speak, we was talking, we started talking about culture and I was like, this is my jam. Like we do this so much in sport. Like, um, and so he was just like, I want you to be the coordinator. Mm. And, you know, I came in the next day and I started on Monday and it's been awesome. Like mm. I've learned so much. They're so supportive. Um, he had a lot of the same contacts as, in sport as I do. So yeah, it's really different, but it means, you know, there's a, progression and way to go and i get free facials so <laughs> is that this morning no no, no this morning i got my teeth whitened but <laughs> <laughs> some people say i'm vain i don't know why <laughs> so people talk a lot about the um the likeness from team sport to business etc is this a job that you found you've been able to apply your team sport learnings most or have there been the other jobs have been similar this one, I when I interviewed, it literally, if I hadn't played hockey and had that, those, all, you know, those thousands of hours, that's an exaggeration, of doing no, the culture really. meetings and how... That you, would be... That <laughs> would be that. I'm, I know yeah, how and the, you know, how you treat different personalities, all of that kind yeah. of stuff has helped me, like, I'm in a role with, you know, I've got five different females, completely different personalities, and how to manage each one to get the best result mm. and that's just sport mm. so i he my c saw that in me which you know it was i gratefully mm. um and it is i feel like i'm just doing what i was doing you know or should have been doing whatever either way <laughs> in that that sporting environment and how you treat people mm. and how to get the best out of people but mm. in a business sense and i think he saw that like my resume saw a sports person you know you go through so much in your career and then you come out and you go to hand in your resume and it's like i had zero work experience (laughs) hire me um so it was cool because i was pretty considering i've been working for like two years but Mm. not in marketing Mm. so to go into like a manager marketing manager role um and to hire me it was Mm. purely because of that sporting experience which is thankfully for sure definitely looking at the things that you've achieved during your sporting career we'll get to the actual hockey side of things later but you finished a degree in journalism, as you said. You studied, um, you got like your Cert 3 or Cert 4 in fitness, so you're, I guess, a qualified personal trainer. Yeah. And um, you did a post-bachelor diploma in legal studies or yeah. something. What, what, what is that? I have never that? used it. Um, journalism, I, I went in straight after school because I'd already made the Aussie squad at that stage. Mm. So all of my friends went and did like gap years and stuff, but that wasn't really an option for me. Um, so I went straight to uni, not, not knowing what I to do yeah um i didn't like math or science so journalism seemed like the only option mm. but i wasn't very studious um because i was just focused on sport mm. um and yeah i got through it i did it full time and i was the only person um studying in the squad who did it full time and it was it was frowned upon basically it was because that whole training regime tra- changed with the girls when yeah. it was when um frank murray was the coach they trained like early and late and girls worked yeah that, that completely changed when Adam Commons came in. Um, when did he come in? He came in at the start of 2011. Okay, so you'd already been there. You had a year under your belt because you moved in 2010. No. no, I had a year and a half in the squad and I hadn't moved yet. Oh, okay. So oh, right. I actually still... So when I was at school, obviously, they I stayed. Mm. But then I was still in the squad for the next year. Um, and I was playing tournaments, mm. but I wasn't living in Perth. And gotcha. um, I was young for my year, so I was only 18. Yep. I don't know if that was reason. But um, um, I think my parents didn't want me to go at that stage either. Yeah. Like, I'm glad I 
I'm really glad I didn't because yeah. it was that first year yeah. when I was 19 was really hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I studied and so I finished when I was 20, I think my first degree. And That's then, crazy. um, and then I, I think I must've had like, I had six months off or something. It was Olympic year. I took the six months off leading into London then I did six subjects in six months to finish my degree. <laughs> and, and I worked at Jet's gym <laughs> and I was playing hockey full time. How did you do that? I don't know. Now I can't even like, I, I did. I'm like, I wish I want to take whatever I was taking back then. How did I do that? Because <laughs> I, I think I was very stressed. And that year was like the, my best hockey year. Mm. Like I got like the age of like a player of the tournament, mm. the junior world player, whatever. And yet... I was studying, working, doing all of that. So when they say have balance, that was probably when I was playing those, you know, those couple of years after that as well. Like my best hockey was because I was doing a lot of other things. Mm. It was when I was just doing hockey, I kind of mm. sucked. So <laughs> Was it worth the stress? Like you said, you were really stressed doing, having all that on your plate, but your hockey was going well. Your study was obviously going well because you'd passed yeah. all six subjects and... I'm not sure, but Jet's gym probably liked you as well. I'm not sure. You're probably good <laughs> I, remember, I came back from London Olympics and I was cleaning the toilets and I was just like, wow. Highs <laughs> <laughs> and lows. Yeah, I was just like, okay. Um, because they That's weren't good. paying us after London for like a couple of months. Yeah, true. Because so, they pushed the payment forward, yeah. don't they? Yeah. So how does I that had work? to work. Hey? Like, how, does that, how does that work financially? Just explain that. Like, as in, so they... We had, we were getting, we got heaps of money before London. I'm going to say heaps, but we had a um, sponsorship with Austrial. Yeah. And they were just, you know, we got our normal pay and then they were chucking $500 extra in a week. Like, what? yeah, I know. What happened to that? I, it was like for six months. And so all of us were just like, this is awesome. You're still working at Jess Gym? No. No, that then, was after. Then, then afterwards oh, yeah. it went back to, I think it, I don't even, I don't think we got paid at all. So, <laughs> and then, yeah, what did happen to that? Um, I went to Bali, I went to Paris <laughs> after the fix. So it went pretty quickly. And then, um, yeah, so I had to get a job. When did you do this legal thing? So then after and that... why did you do that? I did it because I went to play in Holland. Mm. Um, and that was, what, 2013, 14. And um, I was able to go over there. I went to a club. Um, it was Tone Steatman was coaching and he was like the best drag flicking coach. Mm. Their club didn't pay. So I went just, I went purely for hockey, not yeah. for any other reason. And I got paid half the allowance from Hockey Australia. Right. In 2000 and... It was 13, 14. Okay. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was 14, 15. Okay. That's one. And um, so so I said, well, I'm now old enough. Because I went over, what, I was like 22, that um, I could get Centrelink. And that was all I could think of that I could do mm. that was writing. And mm. <laughs> so I did it and I've never used it, but I got Centrelink and survived in Holland. So did you have, really why, why did you, did you have ambitions to, to go into law? Or? Um, I thought maybe, yeah. um, initially it was going to be a master's. It was yeah, two okay. years and yeah. then they changed the course and, yeah, gotcha. um, like I had no idea. Even with my degree of journalism, I was just like, I don't really know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had Fox sports in my head, but I knew that was post hockey kind of thing because sure. it wasn't possible sure um but yeah it was more i was really driven to get because it before that i did my cert three and four in fitness mm. i just wanted to get as much under as my belt as i could really yeah. Yeah. um and my parents were both teachers both in were in um athlete career education yeah and so i was like very kind of hyper aware that this has a really short lifespan yeah, for sure. and like this is life for sure afterwards yeah. um so I think like I was lucky in that sense, knowing that, you know, I do worry about the young girls going over and not doing anything for a long period of time. Or if I had my time again, I wouldn't have done full time, even though I smashed it that's, out. That's time and a half, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no rush. Yeah, yeah. There is no rush. Yeah. Like you just get it done. Mm. And you know, there's people taking seven, eight, nine years. And I'm like, yeah, it's just, you, there's absolutely no rush while you're playing. And then at least you've got some balance. Whereas I kind of finished it all. And then I was like, now what? <laughs> We're going to come back to that year 12 because that was when you, um, you're the first I've heard of, of, of going to school and playing for Australia at the same time. That's a, that'll be a good story. But let's go back to where it started. Mm-hmm. Canberra. Mm-hmm. How old? 
Um, started playing hockey. Well, just childhood. Tell me, yeah. tell me about childhood. What was it um, like for you? Yeah, well, my parents were both players. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they met. Both PE teachers. Um, my grandparents played. Um, my dad actually, so he was in the junior Australian team. He was in junior Australian cricket, like super talented. Mm. Um, he got hit with a hockey stick in the eye when he was 17. So he's blind in one eye. Oh. Um, and that was basically his career over. Yeah. Um, so when, yeah, I started when I, I started Minky when I was about four, but I would always be at watching my parents play and then my older sister and I wanted to play with my sister. And so at one stage when I first started playing seniors when I was like 13 in Canberra, or 12, 13, um, I played with my mum and my sister, my dad coached. So That's it was just cool. a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but because from a really young age, they, like I did a little athletics, and they, they, like for Canberra, um, I was quite a lot better than yeah. the other kids. I was also like a head taller. Like I was just <laughs> tall. Um, what, so what would you do? What was your event? I initially, when I was like before I had this, other big growth spurt I did sprinting throwing jumping so I was like multi-event so I have the under nine record for high jump in Australia wow (laughs) what is the under nine record 130 jeez and then my parents put me into individual high jump training Mm mm-hmm and I didn't improve for four years. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I was like, I hate that. That's sport. amazing. Um, so I was like athletically already. So I started, you know, I started athletics training. I also started tennis and um, and I was doing hockey. And I trained more for tennis and athletics because you mm. start a lot younger anyway. Mm. Um, and it's probably like it's more competitive. Mm. And it wasn't, it was, I got into the Academy of Sport, ACT Academy of Sport when I was 13 for hockey. And that was kind of goes, okay, that's where that's going. But at the same stage when I was about 14, I started training every day for tennis to get um, Australian ranking points because I was thinking I might go play in the college system. Cool. In the States. Yeah. Yeah. For tennis. And then I stopped athletics. I think my last nationals was probably under 14s. I would do Pacific school games. What event? I did multi-event. Same. So like decathlon, how does it work at that age? You just do like... Four or five events yeah, and they just add up the points. Gotcha. Because I was kind of average at everything, but you kind of mashed it together. <laughs> um, so, and then, yeah, and I I didn't really improve in athletics from... I grew a lot when I was about 14. Mm. I, I kind of stopped that. I turned more of a, into a like long distance as I got older. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I got into the Academy of Sport and that's where... That's when the training kicked in. Um, we had a coach called Anthony Thornton, mm. and his massive thing was fitness. So from when he had me from when I was 13 to 17, I started at eight at the beep test. And I, by the time I left, or he left, I was on sort of over 13. Mm. So he, that's all we did, though. That's We just ran, ran. Yeah, okay. and ran, okay. and ran, okay. and ran. And now I was thankful. Like I hated it. Who likes yeah. running? Well, I thought it was a shit ass. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so it was awful. But then when I, by the time I got to Perth, even when I was at my most unfit, I barely ran under, you know, I'd get like a 12 and a half would be yeah. like a low because my base was so high from that. Mm. Um, so I was grateful after that because then, yeah, I still, you know, obviously worked really hard to keep it there. But yeah, it was that like being really young and just, running so much every training that's probably where it all kind of that started so yeah gotcha gotcha and then so 17 you got a call from frank larry well it was when i was so i got a gosh so 13s 15s act i played for act we won nationals i know it's like that's i don't think it's ever happened maybe like no that's so incredible. yeah, my dad was coaching, mm. um, and I remember beating. It was like New South in the final under 15s, and I was like, "This is the best day of my life." <laughs> <laughs> um, and so from then, I'd already been scouted by Trini Powell, and so for the next 18s under 18s, and I think I was still 14. This stage, I got named player of the tournament, and from that tournament, I got put into the under 21s Australian squad. At 14. Yeah, so I would have turned... It was 14, 15. Wow. Yeah, so I was so much younger than everyone um, because I remember the first camp was in Canberra and I was just terrified. Mm. 
Uh, and to, we had to, you know, do a video, go through video and talk in front of the group. And I was just cheating my pants. I mm. thought it was the scariest thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, we had, um, what do you call it, Youth Olympics, World Cup qualifiers, a bunch of other things. So I was still at school during all of that. Uh, Junior World Cup, I was in year 12. So that was when, after year 11, that was, yeah, that would have been when I was in year 12. Um, so it was all the junior stuff, but it was when I was after AHL, um what year so 2009 after ahl that's when i got called into the australian team just like out of the blue i was mm. like what mm. they named the squad and it was a really small squad as well it was 24 but george nanskan and myself mm. um i guess it was the year after your olympics mm. makes sense you know a lot of people heaps of people retired um but i didn't play a game for my first six months okay. um, i came out of junior world cup having a really bad experience didn't want to play thought that you know, I had one couple of bad games. I was like, well, there goes my career. Everything's <laughs> over. Life is ending. I think I started playing basketball for a bit. And yeah, then I went back over in the start of the year for a camp and they had injuries. We were playing Australia A. I played all right. And so I got called in and played my first cap. And from then I played like World Cup qualifiers, didn't play World Cup. Someone got injured in com games. And again, I was kind of not loving hockey. And I played under 21s and just had fun. Mm. I had so much fun. Mm. And I was 18 and I got named player of the tournament. And a week later, I got called into Com Games. And I went to Com Games this 18 year old. And it was, yeah, it was the best. In 2014? That, no, no, that was 2010. 2010. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, okay. Wow. Yeah. And, and drag flicking was a big part of it? Or what do you think? Then, about? when I was, the reason that I got individually recognized when I was younger because I started drag flicking when I was 14, 15. So yeah. I drag flicked at these tournaments and yeah. no one else did. Yeah, okay. Um, I didn't for the Aussie team. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did at state hockey and that, that would have put me, that would the only reason I think. Yeah. Well, other than like, you know, that would have just set me apart from yeah. everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no yeah. one else was doing it back then either. Yeah, okay. There's a lot more people are trying it now. Why did you decide to start doing that? My coach at the time was just mm. like, this is like if we can get you drag flicking in under 18 mm. and i think i scored like eight goals or something mm. and they were like keepers just can't there's deal no with one it. yeah and you know no one knew what was going on because yeah. no one like even in senior hockey at that stage no one as females was really flicking mm. other than like they had a couple mm. really good flickers in the world but it's, we didn't have any in australia yeah so yeah it just started smart smart so 2000 so you're doing year 12 mm-hmm. you're finishing year 12 and playing for australia at the same time is that how it worked? I started right after I finished year 12. Right after So year 12. when I finished year 12, they moved me to Perth. Perth. Okay. Oh, no, that's that's a lie. I you totally few, lied. You had a few months. I had a year. I had a year. It was straight after Com Games I moved to Perth. Ah, okay. So you were you were selected for the Com Games from living in Canberra. Mm-hmm. That's pretty brave. Yeah, it was random. I got the call when I was at home. I, like, I was just doing uni full time. Mm. Um, and, yeah, we came off the back of this 21s tournament mm. where I was just... I just went to have fun. Yeah. I was just like, I'm, I think for me, trying to be at peak level for the whole year was impossible. Yeah, okay. Like I had, because of like mentally, I'd work myself up so much, put so much into like one tournament to then back that up. I generally always played shit for yeah. and was just like, I don't want to play. Like I needed, I wish I had given myself more time off during that process but it wasn't really an option um i was just so i'd get burnt out really easily yeah um but not everyone's like that i know everyone's pretty, pretty different but i was just like i probably needed these breaks here and there to Complete be able to keep break, going like nothing at all i mean Going like active or, oh, active yeah. recovery kind of thing but just either if it's out of the program or mm. um just to regather because i yeah I, if i started like just getting tired and going through the motions and it was mm. just a waste of everyone's time. Gotcha. So you would you put a lot of pressure on yourself while you're at the tournaments to, to kind of perform? Yeah, I was so that? competitive. I wanted yeah, to exactly. win. Like it was just, yeah, it would be so much. I, sometimes I just wanted them to be over because yeah. I just wanted to know the result. And oh, really? To win. Like I remember, <laughs> I remember like the World Cup 2014 when we were, we'd only be winning like one goal. You know, it'd be like three, two, one, nil, and the whole time we were just like, I just wanted it to be over because I was like, this is so stressful. That's incredible. <laughs> but it was awesome. Such a good experience. Yeah. How was that? Well, I was going to talk about the World Cup later, but we'll talk about it now. How was it? Well, it went basically. It was the Com Games 
Then I started playing in Perth. Like I moved over. That was really hard. I broke my finger um, in Argentina and then I was mm. out for a couple of months. Mm. So the first first year of Perth yeah. was really difficult. Yeah. Away from family. Away from family. Um, I was just doing I was just doing rehab for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of I had to put on a lot of muscle. Mm. Like I went in super skinny and it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I put on size and then that probably allowed me to start doing well. Then I got picked in the Olympic team. Mm. Um, but I was in all everything leading up to that. So I guess I you know, you never know um if it was gonna happen, but there was probably a little doubt I wouldn't make that. And then it was after London when I can't even remember, that was twenty twelve. And that was that was like probably the highlight, I think, of, of your career. Yeah, it was the so London fun. Olympics. Yeah. It was so cool. Um yeah. and we were ranked like seventh and we'd missed out on goal difference for finals. Yeah. So it was kind of like, Woo <laughs> Yay. It wasn't like, you know, um, you ranked second or third or first yeah, and come yeah. fourth or third yeah. or then it's a bit of a bleh. But I was like the most experienced defender in the team at that stage. Where? Basically. In 2014 or in 2012? No, in London. In it London? Was like you would have been 21. Yeah, 20. 20. It was like me, Jodie, Jade Taylor and Kate Jenner. And yeah. so I think I had more caps than them that wow. stage, potentially. And like I was 20. Yeah, that's So that's we, you know, considering, we, I think we only scored like two goals. You, scored, cons- you scored two. Or maybe you yeah. scored three for the I scored two. Or did you score two? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, highest goal score. That's just a reflection <laughs> of how many goals we didn't score. Well, the crazy thing was is that you guys, it was a nil-all draw in the last game. We're talking London Olympics yeah. now, just in case we could. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. But 2000, 2012, it was into, you're into the last game to beat Argentina to mm. make the semis, right? So you guys came third in your pool yeah. and Argentina scraped through and ended up winning the silver medal. Yeah. Um, but you guys held them to a nil or draw. And if you just scored one more goal. I know. And what was, was that game like? Uh, they just parked the bus. Like, I yeah. think it, that was one. We the, Our first game we lost to New Zealand 1-0. And that, yeah. was, that was our tournament, basically. Tough. Yeah, um, tough to come back from. And they only scored in the first, like, five yeah, minutes or something. Yeah. So it was really... It's, try, it's so crazy. I kind of, like, block it all out. Now I'm, like, trying to remember... I yeah. remember hardly any of it. It's yeah, so okay. crazy. Yeah. Like especially the games, I couldn't even really, unless I've seen it, like I watch it on YouTube or something. I can't remember it. Really, is that yeah. normal for you? Because a lot of people just have this like photographic, just in- incredible memory of every game they've played in. Like the guy I interviewed last week, Moritz Furster, he he could remember every game, every minute from every game. Oh, that's insane. He's so good. That's probably why <laughs> I'm just like. I can't remember where I put my keys five minutes ago. <laughs> so how am I going to remember what happened in 2012? Um, sure. Do you um, remember, so what do you remember about the experience other than that it was a lot of fun? Oh, it was, I think that was the biggest stadium. It felt like at the time, I don't know if it was that I'd played in, but just like family, friends, everything was easy. Mm-hmm. Like we were next door to the Olympic Village Um you could go. You could go out and do things. It was not complete, completely different to Rio, which was like, it's three hours to the field. Mm. You can't go here or there. It's dangerous. Or everything was quite even to get from you know as a reserve getting to the Olympic Village. Everything was kind of difficult. Mm. <laughs> Whereas London, it was just so seamless. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was everything just was done so well. Like every little thing had been thought of. Um, and I think, you know, even just the, we finished three days before the guys and it was just like, we, they had this thing called Australia house and it was this, everyone went there. It was like, I remember it was like Lauren Jackson, all these like superstar Australian athletes just partying together. <laughs> and, you know, there was like me and like even Kate Jenish, I think she's a year older, and like George Nanskow and M Smith, like we're all, you know, 20 being like, this is the coolest thing ever. Um, it was just, yeah, it was, I think I was just overwhelmed. Mm. It was just very surreal. Um, like I'd been to Com Games in Delhi, but there were terrorist threats there. Mm. So there was no one in the stands. Sure. Like we had two people watching. Gotcha. Still unbelievable, but really different. Yeah. Whereas this was like this world stage. Um, yeah, it was really... What was the know. what was the village like at um at the Com Games? In Delhi. Yeah, in Delhi. I've heard a few stories, but I what was your experience? Photos. It was like ours the the closer the 
um, the apartments were to the front, like the nicer they were, and the further back they got, the shitter they were. And like, I think we were somewhere in the middle, but like, there was no like tiles on the bathroom. You open the kitchen door and hit the fan, and there's like just like big walls in, I mean, holes in the wall. Like everything was just just kind of messy. And there'd be people in the rooms just like chipping away at like the concrete on the walls, like every day, just doing like the, the most medial, strange jobs. And, like the just workers everywhere till the last day. They're just still the working on it. Yeah, it was just like it's like this thing's gonna fall down. Yeah, yeah. There was a TV in there, but it didn't work. <laughs> um, it was made it kind of cool because yeah. it was just just like it just wasn't. They were like building as they went, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think on when it was towards the end, like one of the last days, we went to like swap uniforms with people. We walked into one of them. I think it was like Jamaica or something. Mm. It's like up the front, mm. and it was like so nice. Was it? Yeah, we were like, "What the hell? <laughs> we got so ripped off." <laughs> That's shit. But it made it the experience cool though. Gotcha. I got bruises from the, the bed though. It was like a concrete. How can you slab. get? Are you a violent sleeper? I turn around a lot, but it was like my hips. Oh, I'd wake right. up and they'd be like bruised. I was like, ow. <laughs> Seriously? Wow. Yeah. That's classic. With it, I heard stories the guys had like a window problem. They were lacking some windows in there. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not surprising. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think we had a window in our room. I was with Nick Harold, um, I think, and that was her last tournament. Yeah. And she's and like my first big one. So I was really cool in a room with her. Mm. Um and oh it was just so random and weird and like you'd have to sit in this specific spot to get wi-fi and yeah perfect cool though wi-fi would have been pretty new then wouldn't it i don't know i think so i don't know yeah you weren't really on your phones and stuff you actually had to talk to people it's kind of annoying but yeah Yeah. weird (laughs) but i was 18 i didn't talk to anyone i was just like (laughs) this awkward kid in the corner (laughs) so again jumping back to 2012 at the end of that year that was when you won world junior player of the year yeah so that was um that was really unexpected as well and then so it was that and the the ahl player of the whatever and it was just like i worked so hard that Mm. year and it was yeah well all these things kind of happened that i just was just like this is really surreal you know you can't you don't really think of those as a player you think of the team stuff um and you work so hard, like on your game, like which yeah. on just different elements of your game. Are you well, fitness I do or extra. What? I do. We'd have we train, you know, however much a week, five days a week. But I'd still do extra fitness. Yeah. I'd come down and do drag flicking. Yeah. Um, I always tried to do extra. Yeah. And what uh, was the motivation? I wanted to be the best in the world. Okay. Um, and that was the motivation towards the end of my career that I just did not have whatsoever. Yeah. But for those couple of years, yeah. I was like, I don't want to just win. Like, you know, the, there's gold medal. Like, that's the number one goal. But I want to be the best doing that. Like, yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. As, you know, from an early age, I just wanted to be the best. Always. Um, yeah. And when people, you know, were saying, you know, I'm just, ex- I'm, in, I'm in the team or whatever. I was like, that's just like the start. It's like, I wanted to be, yeah, one of the best. And I wasn't like, I never was, you know, didn't say it. I was very open about that. Because then if everyone else wanted to be the best around me as well, like, we're going to... We all wanted to be the best. So, yeah, yeah I was quite open about it. Um, but it probably wasn't until then that I really thought I might... Yeah, there could that could be a thing. Like, oh, we could win a gold medal. We could... Because we actually... That year was when we started doing really well. Like, mm. we came second in World League leading into um, the World Cup where I think... I can't remember what we were ranked... But then we came second to that. And mm. so in two years, we'd gone from seventh to second. Mm. And there was this actual, there was a chance that we could do really well. Mm. Um, but we completely changed how we were training. We were training from like nine to 12. Yeah. You know, it's just silly hours. It was crazy. You couldn't do anything else. And initially, of course, like there was a spike, like we improved. Mm. But it wasn't really sustainable, I don't think. This was, so change your training hours in 2014. From 2012 to 2014, yeah, we changed. Okay. It was just it was... like, how are we going to go from fifth to yeah one and it was way more intense yeah it was just a lot like yeah. it would be like well ideally do you want to be training at 5 a.m um after you've just had a or whole day of work or mm. da, da, da. and it's like no you want to train from 9 to 12 and you mm. want to get enough rest so you couldn't work you couldn't mm. do any yeah. of that and it and considering the pay and everything that all stayed the same it just wasn't i it was it worked for 2014 like we went really well 
but then after it just wasn't sustainable yeah um yeah yeah it's just it's really hard ask for athletes i think when you're not getting that much money and putting your life on hold a bit yeah. and especially like you can study but if you're not studying you've finished all of that and the girls who are are working or doing nursing or mm. you know op or whatever they it's really hard to maintain any kind of work at all and yeah. so you're just kind of putting your life on hold yeah um yeah. and we did lose a few players for that who just went um you know i'm a teacher like i need I to work i can't do it and so yeah it was i think it, yeah it was just for the, the sport and what we you know and for the pay it just mm. is yeah it was pretty difficult sure and that kind of came became obvious after 2014 mm. like that was the peak and then yeah. it started to take its toll yeah yeah okay. Now, if you missed it last week, we spoke to ex-German international Moritz Furster. Regular listeners will be familiar with that name as he's been referred to by more than once as the best some of our guests have ever played against. And his interview is one of my favorites. Here's a look. I'm interested in this psychology degree that you did. At what stage did you, is that something you've always been interested in or is that something that sport kind of brought you in? Because it sounds like you're very interested in in the mind side of sports. And what goes on between yeah. your ears is that was that a motivation to study psychology yeah i love it i, yeah. I always loved it and um, i love thinking about it funny part about it is i don't really like it for me mm. during sports so i'm i i like thinking about it a lot but i never so we always had a had a, a psychologist with us during tournaments and mm-hmm. also training camps um he was basically we found a cool way to do it because he was just an uh, offer for the players so yeah. people could use him to talk to him and stuff yeah that's but we brilliant. didn't have the those big sessions or whatever yeah and many players used it mm. i will which i think is really cool but mm. i never i never really <laughs> wanted to use it but i i would have loved to be him myself you know what i mean yeah. so i because i thought about it also so much and i i thought about the players and what i think how they can improve and what they should do differently and what i should do differently so i thought about that a lot and Studying that was just basically trying to find uh, proof for my thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I gotcha. So I always, I always loved reading articles or also theories about things that I thought about also a lot. And then some of them were proven and some of them were completely different. So I loved the theory behind the ideas that I had for so long about mm. um, psychology and sports, which I think is on the top level. I have... Without exaggerating, I think it's at least 50% of the deal. Yeah. Um, because the difference between you guys in, in an Olympic Games tournament and us is just basically not there. We could mm. play 10 times and it would probably end 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. So it's only about that very day and how can you like beat the other team on that very day. And, mm. um, and that is definitely... I mean, it's not possible without your skills in the sport that you play, but when it comes to those knockout games, it's, it's, I think it's even more than 50%. More of that on episode 13 of The Help Side. Check it out. Now we head back to Anna. So what did 2015-16 look like? Well, 20 f- after because you went to Holland and that uh, you were still like obviously pretty driven if you went to Holland and yeah well tried to- after 2014 yeah I was like this is where I'm going yeah, we yeah. came second I had a I had a like probably my best tournament mm. um like and that was when it was that was again when it was on that was when I started to get all my sponsorships because mm. it was on this world stage yeah I'd worked really hard I got a manager I'd had him for three years and we built relationships over those three years like out of my own pocket, just creating relationships until something like that would happen where it was, I played well, team did well, recognition, then they, that's when, you know, they know me and that's how that came about. So it took, it, I think it would take three years to right. get a, to get Nike and Red Bull. Really? So you yeah. started that pretty, pretty soon after you entered the squad, you start just kind of building your relationships and... Yeah, after, I know, after London... After London. After London, I got my first manager because yep. there was things coming through the front and centre, yeah, opportunities. Really. And it was, you know, it sounds really stupid, but I, I had, 
you know, I had long hair, I did all the ribbon and that stuff. Yeah. And I did that purely for marketing because really? I knew this is like, this is a short stint where we're going to get watch. I want to feel good, play good, mm. look a certain way. Mm. And that's what I did. Mm. And so I got these opportunities um, and that's not everyone's cup of tea. And especially in like a female team, yeah. not everyone likes that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in a sport like hockey, it's, um, I mean, in, in, bigger sports, rugby, netball, whatever, mm. you have people actively coming to you to turn you into that. You know what I mean? Like when we're in an amateur sport or a semi-professional sport, yeah. the onus really is on you to yeah. to do that. So um, you obviously had a pretty clear idea from from early. Like where, where did that come from? Um, I think I just knew what – I knew like what I wanted to, I guess, market myself towards yeah. and it's – um, especially it'd be, you know, it'd be younger players and young girls. Yeah. Um, um, especially. Yeah. And so that's, you know, if I wanted to inspire, but at the same time, I want to get sponsored and paid yeah. so that I don't have to work so I can do these crazy mm. training hours. Yeah. Um, that was, I went, you know, it started off, I think, yeah, it was London. I started getting stuff, all these opportunities and I couldn't handle it. I can't say no. Mm. And a lot of people want free stuff. Yeah. So many people, especially from hockey, and you know, you just say yes to all these things, and then as realize, in fans or as in no people with businesses or really? any of they that kind of stuff. They want yeah, you yeah. to do stuff for free. Yeah, and a lot of people say yes, and I, I'm someone who says yes, so I got someone to help me. Um, in the end, that didn't go like I wasn't really getting what I wanted from that relationship, so I changed to a manager in Sydney, mm-hmm. and that would that's what I've I've encouraged so many of the girls who. Because a lot of people come to like, how do you mark? How do I build mm. my social media? How yeah. do I do this? And I said, I got a manager, um, and he would take twenty percent, which for any other sport is probably heaps. But for hockey, if you're not going to get the opportunities anyway. Like he knew the people, and because it was Sydney based, it's hard to compete with AFL mm. on, in Perth. And so I, I before London, I already I did photo shoots before London in mm-hmm. like big dresses and stuff. So it's really different that I. So I think like would get picked up for marketing, that kind of stuff. That was his idea. That was my idea. Was I did idea. that out of pocket. Like yeah, I yeah, paid wow. like fifteen hundred, flew to Canberra, you know, so it was all up, you know, I've just spent two grand on getting this material for when this happens. Yeah, yeah. This will yeah. be there. Like I I was I knew kind of I had to get content out there in different ways for people to look at you than just a sweaty hockey player on the hockey field. For sure. Um and you know and it, it's not about like sexualizing the sport and i have done things like that as well but it's all creating a different i guess image where you can get different kinds of fans on board and then you go look at my sport yeah. this is what we do yeah um and so yeah i flew back to sydney a couple of times um to meet with red bull to meet with nike from my manager's introduction and we would just go to lunch mm. have coffee chat mm. and yeah it took it took until 2014 for me to sign those contracts um so i put a lot of going back and forth and a lot of effort it wasn't just like red bull came knocking yeah, on my door yeah. like that's not going to happen it's like even nike was just like we don't do hockey yeah and so um yeah it was like a, a lot of back and forth um and then once you're in it's like they have these unreal opportunities you get to do um and they've got their own pr teams so you do all the hard work and then you go see them one for one day and you they do all of the PR stuff. You just do all of these interviews, all these different things, and it's you've got months of content just yeah. out. Um, and, and you still manage your social media throughout all of this? Because, I mean, you're mm-hmm. following... you like, definitely the pin-up glamour girl of hockey in Australia. <laughs> and to be fair, like, you, you amass, like, a massive following for, obviously, yourself, but also the sport. I mean... Not many hockey players can really, as you say, put the focus on their sport just by being a presence, and you definitely achieve that through exactly what you were saying. Um, so it, it takes a well, it's very smart, very smart, <laughs> and it does. It takes a lot of work, and it's it's hockey's a mine. You know, it is a minority amateur sport. It doesn't just come to, especially in Australia. Like you look at Jamie Dwyer, mm. mate, if he still has an unreal following, but mm. I'm like. Imagine if he was the best player in basketball. Like, he would just mm, be... Yeah. He wouldn't have to go out and make his own stick brand and do all of that. It would just come to him. But he's actively going out and doing all these things. Like, it does take a lot of work. And, yeah, there's... Obviously, you want your performance to talk, performance to talk 
you know, mm. that's going to be the biggest thing. Mm. But I had time. So yeah. I had, I'd finished, you know, studying whatever. And so if social media was a new thing for me. Yeah. And I jumped on it because I had to do it with uni. So I jumped on it pretty early um, and realized that here's a platform to start sharing what we're doing. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Now I'm like, oh, social media is so <laughs> annoying. Um, but for me, then it was a business. Yeah. Okay. And it still is. Yeah. Like I still post things where, yeah, it is. You can get paid for it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it it's, it's a weird one because it can be so great and so terrible. Mm. And can be really authentic and so fake but um that's it that's your experience with it yeah yeah because i will now it wasn't when i started it was just sharing things behind the scenes what we're doing mm. it wasn't getting paid to post stuff mm. like that's that this whole influencer thing that wasn't a thing mm. um so that that's all only kind of the last couple of years mm. so it's probably more when i've finished yeah. hockey um, but it was just a way to get people engaged and involved and then working with the brands yeah. and cause they've got big platforms. Yeah. So trying to leverage their following to start following hockey. Definitely. Um, and so, yeah, it, but it was, it was like a side gig, a side yeah. job. And that's why I got a manager because if I did it all myself, it would have been like a full time thing. Mm. Um, and that's only on like, you know, quite a small scale compared to a lot of other athletes but yeah but uh, that's like i got questions being like is that distracting or is that i didn't find it distracting Mm. i found it because i like to be busy yeah so i like doing things but for other people it could definitely be but for me i didn't towards maybe towards the end like i'm totally addicted to my phone now (laughs) so that'd be a different question but you know the people ask about how do i build this following how do i market myself you have to be willing to put in the work and Mm. potentially getting out of pocket a bit mm. to actually yeah leverage that but mm. it's i encourage people to get a website mm. um i know someone who would love to do athletes websites <laughs> right? um uh, get a manager because you don't have to usually you don't have to pay them it's only if they get you stuff mm. so there's no harm in it mm. um and i think people are quite afraid to do it um and it's not everyone's cup of tea some people they just want to play hockey and have fun and do their thing but if you want to you know for me i was like I want to build this brand and make some money out of it. Um, then, yeah, that's was sort of the way I went down it. Yeah. Okay. You had an appearance on Top Gear. Like, yeah. I, mean, I think that's probably the biggest thing outside of the Olympic Games. It's probably the most viewed involvement <laughs> by any hockey player ever. How was that? Was it's that a manager so, thing as well? Yeah. 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 Um, that was in Sydney, and it was so random because like i'm not a car person so i would mention it like people would be watching i'm like oh yeah i met him (laughs) what because to me i was like "Eh, cool um yeah i didn't really realize that that just how much people are like obsessed with top gear yeah um but yeah it was actually it was 30 seconds like i raced james may in a car i saw it and um who won he won (laughs) They, they said I won, but he totally won. Yeah. So I had to do it like three times because I did, I think I did Perth show and then I did two Sydney yeah, shows or something. Yeah, because it was a live show, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I had to get there in Sydney. I had to be there in the morning at like eight, flew mm. in. I stayed at the Pullman Olympic Park. It was pretty mm. nice. <laughs> and um, we did a rehearsal and they came in. They were so hungover. <laughs> they were just like smoking like chimneys. I'm like, wow. Um, and it was, yeah, like 30 seconds rehearsal. And then I had to wait in the train room all day until like the show and then it was like 30 seconds done oh, yeah. yeah did you like did you chat to them much well, not really you were just there. um in, like just a little bit mm. but they were kind of like who yeah who are you yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're just doing their thing yeah um yeah because we were you know obviously behind the i guess the arena in the change rooms and stuff mm. um but yeah i think they're pretty tired i think it was like towards the end of their tour leg mm. it was cool though and um yeah it was a good experience and again it was i got paid for it um yeah it was just still about building that brand sure and what how did you deal with the the fame i guess like how did you deal with the fans and and what what came along with the fame anything that you didn't expect that you had to deal with yeah it went from like zero to 100 for me personally when um after the holland world cup there was 
because there was so many people watching in Holland. Mm. They just were nuts for it. And I went straight into playing Holland season. Mm -hmm. But I, was, I already knew I was playing four then. Mm. Um, so there was so much hype that I was going to this club because I played well, we did well. Mm. Um, and so I went and I stayed with the family. And Is that PK? No, yeah. I did a mop. Mop? Mop near, it's like next to Den Bosch. Wait, this is a club? Mm-hmm. Mop? Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know I've what it stands for. Of. I don't think they're in the first division anymore. Okay. Um, I think they dropped out the year after... I played. Um, and the men are only in the second div. Okay. Um, they're about, they used, when I played, they usually came like middle of the pack because they yep. had no national players. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and when I went there, it was like the hype was all still there. So it was like there was media there. Like the postman knew who I was. I couldn't wow. go anywhere. Wow. Really? And that without people knowing. And the, for me, like that doesn't happen in Australia. No. <laughs> Being like, oh, are you that chick from hockey? Yeah. <laughs> Like, unless it does happen if they're like, oh, and you play hockey too. They're like, yeah, it's not just like some random, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. someone from hockey who recognizes yeah. you. Um, and so that was all, it was just like all these people who aren't, they may not be hockey people, but they'd obviously watched this mm. um, World Cup. So that was weird. And I struggled with that. And like I had a, a sponsored car and it had like big stickers all over it. So everyone knew where I was the whole time. <laughs> um, and I struggled with that, I think being like the not having that anonymity is that yeah. the word <laughs> um being to kind of like go out and do different things it's like that wasn't something that i could really do but probably that the hard way mm. um so that was really different and then didn't like that um no i didn't i found that quite difficult and even coming back to perth and because perth like everyone kind of knows everyone's like this big country town mm. as well it's yeah just having to be like more careful of just certain things i was doing and i didn't i you know didn't really understand all of that and what that would look like um but that was when it was like oh okay i've got to do the right thing here because like there are little girls looking up to us and you need to be a good role model and I probably hadn't comprehended what that was mm. really um, at the time and what that impact was of, that you had on, yeah, this younger generation. Um, so that was something I really struggled with, I think, especially in Holland. Yeah, okay. Okay, interesting. And then so we move on from 2015 to 2016 and very established um, player in the team, already been to an Olympics, been to two Com Games, <laughs> went to Glasgow at the end of 2014. Um how was 2016 for you? Well, it when I went to Holland, I got shin splints and I wasn't trading much. Um, I just played the games. So when I go, came back, I was super unfit. Um, and that was middle of 2015. I still played World League. And I played a right-ish, meh. But um, <laughs> my training was super average. Mm. Um, and at that stage, I was struggling um, mentally a lot coming back from Holland, um, trying to kind of find my way back in the team. Me being out had given other girls a chance. And yeah, I was really struggling. Uh, I probably should have then taken some time off, um, assess what was going on um, with myself in certain situations. Um, but I really didn't, I, so I didn't get picked it towards the end of 2015 and my fitness was just really shocking. And so that Christmas, you know, I just, busted my ass so that when I came back, you know, I could get the top beat, depth, beat test score and be like, well, you have to pick me now. Mm. But even though I did that, I was still really struggling mentally. Mm. Um, and they just didn't could, want to be there? Or yeah, one of those props where you yeah, just flat? I just, it was, there's probably other things going on and that I didn't really know what was happening for me. Sure. And... So, like, the coaches would be meeting me each week being like, why are you so distant? Why aren't you, you know, you used to be, like, head of the pack. Now mm. you're coming last. Like, mm. what's going on? Um, and I didn't really have any answers. And But I'd go away on tour and I could still perform and play well. But then my tr I'd come back and train and just be like, yeah, I really struggled to be there. Um, which I think having that such a long period of time, I probably just needed to just take some time out somewhere mm. and that's what i was saying before mm. i just couldn't 
keep going. Um, like I wasn't mentally strong enough at that stage to keep going. And that's when sort of 2016 like fell to pieces for me. Um, like, you know, not getting picked in Olympics, doing the wrong thing. Um, having that couple of months was probably some of the hardest of my life. But then sort of going, going to Rio with yourself, um, which it was hard, but it also, it was still a cool experience. Um, you know, it would, I was coming in a completely different view, I guess this, this is your first experience of it. So I'm like, oh man, I totally could have been there, but I blew it. Um, <laughs> but like I got back into the team after that and I worked really hard again, but I just wasn't ready. I needed some, like some solid time out. And so when I did get dropped at the end of the year, as much as I didn't want it, um, it like it needed to happen. And so, you know, I had, had I was so angry at the coach and, you know, probably said all the wrong things, but in hindsight, like it was my actions that caused and my playing and what was happening with what I was doing that caused me to be dropped. So, mm. I, um, yeah, that was, it was, I then, you know, I had the year in Sydney just playing with N-Swiss and that just reinvigorated me playing with the young girls mm. because they were just so fun. Um, you know, they, I was like the, the grandma mum, the irresponsible <laughs> mum. Like 25 or something. Because, well, they're like 17, 18 and yeah, I was 25 and then I played 26 as well and... Um, you know, they. I think they were like, she's going to come, she's going to be so serious. Like, I'm not sure, whatever. I am always late. Like, <laughs> I forget my shoes. I forget, like, I'm just, you know, not much of like the pin-up athlete, how you should come to training. <laughs> and so I think they were just like, wow. <laughs> um, and <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was, I felt like I could give back and help. Mm. And in like, even in the last sort of two years, that's where I've kind of found my passion is that, you know, I've just started studying again. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm studying, I'm studying um, community service and drug and alcohol counseling. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's because being able and being through so much myself and able to share like what works, what didn't work, I found that was really fulfilling. Mm. And it's taken like a really long time after hockey to be like, not fulfilled like mm. what am I doing mm. um so even getting bits of that with N-Swiss like I felt like I could make a real difference yeah even if it wasn't for me I knew that I probably wasn't going to get picked again like I was in the development squad but I think everyone else got a game but I didn't <laughs> I was just like just drop me again <laughs> um and it was yeah it was a, it was really nice to just be with like a group of girls who um they still love the game. They're yeah. really fresh and they yeah. were aiming for, you know, something that I had already done um, and would, had a lot of questions and just about how they should go about things. Mm. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was a really good experience. So as much as I thought, oh, no, like I'm training with kids. Um, but like they would kick my ass. So <laughs> it was cool. <laughs> There's so much talent here. <laughs> Did it kind of take a little bit of the Because I know 2012, 14, there was pressure like you wanted to be the best in the world and you're you know working incredibly hard to achieve that was that still a focus after you'd been dropped or was it a chance to kind of like just relax and enjoy your hockey and and look at other things yeah it was but then it got to AHL when mm. I played for Canberra that year and it was probably the best AHL I'd played yeah. and that was the feedback I'd gotten and so when the call came, I was like ready to pack my bags over to Perth kind of mm. thing this is 2017 when, yeah yeah and yep. so when the call came in like oh we'll put you in the development squad I'm like sorry what mm. like no did you see me <laughs> <laughs> and um and they were like well yeah but your team came six and so that's I played for New South the, the following year mm. and um and we won mm. but I played like dog shit no. like I was so bad um and so I was like yeah I'm gonna stop now yeah, like okay. whereas I was so disappointed before because I actually thought I deserved it mm. or like even a game like I was going back and forth to Perth basically training them up for com games um but never got a game for even like in the crappy practice games i was like come on give me one <laughs> then i can stop <laughs> but um yeah like i just still had that hope but after i put everything into that tournament and i got my hopes up so much because i was really confident mm. um and then to i guess go the not picked again not picked again and going through that constant roller coaster and then I just enjoyed it the last year like we won our club 
season. Mm. I've never won club, won HL, never won HL. Mm. Um, and I was like, if I was a selector, I 100% wouldn't pick me. So, <laughs> like, I'm okay to just do something else now. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And you announced your retirement from, from well, international arena in 2019, started 2019? Yeah, it's a weird one. Because mm. um, they, you know, so I, when did I retire? So, end of 2018? Yeah, end of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after the AHL. I just called Trini and she, like she knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she was, I think she might have messaged me and been like, "Do you want to go for breakfast?" I, like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we both know. It's, t- it's time. <laughs> um, yeah, stop flocking a dead horse. But um, yeah, it wasn't until the following because I was playing. They were like, "Oh, we'll do it when you're playing for Canberra, like you're home." But the only reason you had to do it, like, I probably wouldn't have announced or anything, was that you have to sign off from the drug testing pool. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I was still on a SADA. They could have just come and knocked on my door, yeah, even okay. though I'd been out of the squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not that that would happen. Yeah, but it's possible. Um, but, yeah, they're like, but I was like, I want to be eating all the protein that <laughs> may have peptides or whatever in it. So I don't want to be, like, having to worry about that. Um, so, yeah, I had to – that's why I had to, like, officially – retire because i was like mm. i haven't played for three years this looks stupid mm. but yeah they said well it just means you won't be off the um testing pool and i was like no nah, i want to be off that <laughs> <laughs> that's it for part a stay tuned for part b where anna opens up about her journey with mental health as an elite athlete and we hear her thoughts as a marketing expert about where the sport of hockey should head should we wish to achieve more exposure see you soon